0: Hi guys, it's Laura with the trigger warnings for this episode. I'm just putting a warning on here for a brief mention of suicide. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. What? You egg? Stab! Young fry of treachery! Hey look at the, hey, look, the look at the butterfly. butterfly.
1: I want to catch this sound bite for the, uh, for the pod. Ooh. Ooh. That was like a crisp apple. Yes. Ah. Chomp, chomp.
0: Alrighty. We're finally here after our long, long hiatus of like seven days.
1: <laughs> it hasn't even been seven days. I think it's been three, technically, because yeah. a little peek behind the curtain, listeners. Uh, we are pre-recording stuff because August is about to be Busy, busy. busy.
0: Leo's season is full blast, full throttle. Oh, it's thundering right now. Um, yeah, it's With just full everything. So, we rapid-firedly read what book this month, Ellie? Macbeth by
1: William Shakespeare. By
0: the obscure author you might not have heard of.
1: Yeah, he's pretty underground, so. Yeah.
0: Um... Wow, he's dead. Nice. Okay.
1: Oh, my gosh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. I'm a genius. He's pretty underground. Wow. Actually, I don't know. So, Laura, why do we do this to ourselves every
0: month? Because we love each other, and we love sharing the good knowledge of high school literature. (laughs) And our extensive scholarly knowledge.
1: Oh, yes. And did you ever have to read William Shakespeare's Macbeth in school? I I
0: absolutely did. I remember hating it, and I remember not getting it, and I remember watching the movie and being like, even the movie's boring, but everybody else seemed to love it. Again, we've talked about this before. It was another case of me thinking maybe I'm just too stupid to get it. And I will say, maybe it kind of was, because I liked it a lot more (laughs) now as an adult. I thought it was pretty, kind of a banger. How about you? Did you have to read it?
1: Oh, no. But But there's no but to it. I just, I didn't But I now would like to watch the two movies, uh, adaptations that have been... I mean, there's been tons of adaptations of Macbeth, but the two that I really want to watch is the one with Michael Fassbender, because in this house we stand, Michael Fassbender. Mm. Um, And the other is the one with Denzel Washington. Oh,
0: dang. Maybe I should watch those. Because the one we watched in class, it was very odd because we... I don't know, but now that I've read the play, doesn't make sense because there's a scene where Macbeth gets beheaded, and his like head rolls down the stairs, but his arms are still moving, uh, when after his head's been cut off, and everybody laughed, and I don't, I just didn't enjoy it. I was like, I don't want to be here. It was my fifteen, my year of being fifteen, where everything, you know, you're an anime character, everything makes you angry.
1: That's one fact about this book, but I actually have a different fact, right, and probably another one that. A lot of people knew, and I knew about, but I didn't actually truly know. But um, actors and others in the theater industry often consider it bad luck to mention Mm -hmm. Macbeth by name while inside a theater. That I kind of always knew, but I never knew why. It is because Shakespeare is said to have used the spells of real witches in his text, (laughs) purportedly angering the witches and causing them to curse the play. Several methods exist to dispel the curse, depending on the actor. One is yeah. to immediately leave the building, the stage is in, with the person who uttered the name, walk around the building three times, spit over your left shoulder, and say an obscenity, then wait to be invited back <laughs> into the building. <laughs> that is one, that's just one way. Okay,
0: wait, we'll just bro, pause, so... But if they said piss, that doesn't count, right? Because that's not a swear
1: word. No, that's not an obscenity. <laughs> that's just a word for everyone to use and enjoy. I think it's a
0: swear word. So I would say piss and then not be.
1: I'm going to take an Instagram poll of this and I'm going to find okay, out. Okay, fine. I'd, fine.
0: I'd, go. I straight up
1: do not. Okay.
0: I did know that. And I know that you are supposed to refer to it as like the Scottish play. Um, yes. Yeah. In my high school days when I was on stage crew like one time, they did mention that, yeah, someone said it and something really bad happened to them. So I believe in it. Listen. I don't. You're like we're not pissing off the witches.
1: Well, okay. So that was one way. A related practice is to spin around three times as fast as possible on the spot, sometimes accompanied by spitting over the shoulder and uttering an obscenity. So like that's all. It's always three times in a circle of some sort. It's spitting over the left shoulder, yeah. and it's saying a swear. Yeah.
0: I would and rather then, do that. Like, what if my theater building is a humongous conglomerate? <laughs> because that would just take me four hours.
1: Yeah, one, I'm also just like, we don't got time for that. You know, if no. I accidentally off the cup, just say Macbeth just for yucks. Yeah. And like, then I have to pause rehearsal today God help your soul. to go take a freaking lap. No. Okay. That's just no.
0: All right. Well.
1: Okay. I'm almost done. There's so many different ways. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Another popular ritual is to leave the room, knock three times, be invited in, and then quote a line from Hamlet. <laughs> Finally, I know. I don't know. I don't. I think "to be or not to be" is from Hamlet.
0: Yeah, alas, for Yorick. So I knew him well. My...
1: Oh yes, Laura, go off. Mm. Um, and then yet another is to recite lines from *The Merchant of Venice*, which is thought to be a lucky play. Oh. So, now you know. And if you can't remember any of those, I think you're again. You're pretty safe. Just spit somewhere and, <laughs> and swear. And spit I think over
0: both good. shoulders. Spin a hundred times. Just say fuck. Yeah. You know,
1: you'll be fine. I think you're actually good if you just say fuck. Yeah. And then <laughs> the, uh, the witches will know.
0: That is a great fact. I was hoping we were going to talk about that. Since we've done Shakespeare before, I have no clue what other facts we've done for him for an author fact. But Fair. But I'm fairly sure we haven't discussed this yet. So when he died, he had a will. Great for him. Um, but he was survive- when he died, he had a wife and two daughters. And... He, most of his stuff went to his oldest daughter under the stipulation that she pass it down then to the first son of her body intact. Um, but her and her sister, both of their children, all died. So Shakespeare oh. does not have any descendants directly. I don't know about anything else. But also his wife, Anne, he bequeathed to her um, his second best bed.
1: How generous. And
0: we, no one knows what that means.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel like I would remember if we talked about his second best bed. Right. I don't even have a first best bed. Right? Uh, how has, who has two beds? Sorry, I'm not William Shakespeare and I don't have a s- yeah, second, second best- bed. A second bed. You get my my first and my only best bed. Yeah,
0: I feel like I get so lyrical when we do Shakespeare stuff because it gets me in the mood. And Macbeth in particular has some good, some real zingers. Before we get too far into that, what would Goodreads tell us that this book
1: is about? Oh, well, let me tell you right now. Macbeth by William Shakespeare. One night on the heath, the brave and respected General Macbeth encounters three witches who foretell that he will become king of Scotland. At first skeptical, he's urged on by the ruthless, single-minded ambitions of Lady Macbeth, who suffers none of her husband's doubt. But seeing the prophecy through to the bloody end leads them both spiraling into paranoia, tyranny, madness, and murder. (gasps) This shocking tragedy of violent caution to those seeking power for its own sake is to this day one of Shakespeare's most popular and influential masterpieces. End blurb. blurb. Nice.
0: <laughs> I, it's always a good sign when the title of the book is in the blurb. You're like, oh, great, I forgot. Thank you.
1: It. I think it's also one of uh, Shakespeare's shortest plays. Yeah,
0: it it um, clips along.
1: How long is your summary then?
0: Uh, we'll find What's out because play? I didn't do any of that beforehand, so let's go.
1: Wonderful. Oh, my God.
0: Okay, so... First of all, there are five acts. There's a lot that is packed into this very, very short book. So first we open on three witches, the Weird Sisters, which was also a band in the... No, we're not talking about that. Um, no. You know what I was about to say?
1: There's also a band called the, the Weird it's Sisters. It's from Harry Potter,
0: but we're not talking about Harry Potter right now.
1: We're always talking about Harry Potter. Yeah. That's our secret. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right. So we're in Scotland and there's King Duncan um, and there's witches dancing around And they start off the play by reciting a little poem for all of us and just warning us that uh, things are going to be a little tricky because fair is foul and foul is fair. And that is one of my favorite lines. We learn from the king and his buddies and sons and stuff that Macbeth is a general, along with Banquo, and Those two are just badass bitches because they killed traitors. They like knock people down in the war Um, and they're on the way back. So the king's like, huzzah, I love him. We should reward him. So then Macbeth and Banquo, they're out in the countryside. Um, stroll it around I guess and they come upon the weird sisters the three witches um, the witches are doing some weird stuff which is apparently not great witch representation but they tell Macbeth that they tell him three things they say you're th- going to, you are Thane of Glamis you're going to be Thane of Cawdor and you will be king And he's like, what? (laughs) Me? Um, That's weird. Banquo's like, okay, do me, do me, do me. Uh, But they tell Banquo. Do me, do me, do me. (laughs) They tell Banquo that, um, yeah, you're you're not going to be as good as Macbeth, but you will be happier, but not really. And your sons are going to be kings. And then they leave. And the two of them are kind of <laughs> like, oh, that was kind of weird. Um, and Macbeth's like, well, they were obviously just saying bullshit. But then some of the king's men show up and they've come to take them back to the castle. And they tell Macbeth, um, for your bravery in the war, you've been named Thane of Cawdor. Ha ha! <laughs> and Macbeth is like, oh, it's all true. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to be king. And then he's like, but does that mean I have to kill someone? Um, so they go back to the throne room uh the king tells them he loves them it's all good everybody everybody loves Macbeth at this point um and then King Duncan says okay Macbeth we're going to your house for dinner and (laughs) Macbeth's like all right I gotta go tell my wife I'll see you later um so he goes ahead and then we switch scenes and Lady Macbeth is in their home and she is reading a letter that he has sent ahead to her (laughs) explaining the entire exchange with the weird sisters Um, She realizes, yeah, my husband is spineless. He's not going to be able to do this. She has this very famous speech where she says, unsex me because she thinks that being a woman means that she won't have the strength to commit murder and do what needs to be done to make Macbeth king.
1: I just want to say, as a feminist, uh, I believe women can do anything, including murder people.
0: Thank you. Yes, yes. Everybody shows up. Macbeth and Lady Macbeth have... Decided their little plan is to get everybody drunk and murder the king at night time. Yes. So, yeah, there's a, this whole little scene where um, they're about to do the deed at night time.
1: And Macbeth... What kind of deed? <laughs> okay, we're commit murder. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding.
0: <laughs> so Macbeth is... He hallucinates a knife in front of him and he's kind of freaked out. Lady Macbeth is like, what the fuck are you doing? Get in there and murder him. So Macbeth and murders him. He comes back out and he's like, yeah, I like gave the blade to the chamberlains, which is our, the King's guards um, to frame them. And she's like, but did you kill them? And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, I'll do it myself. So she goes back in and she does that. So they've both done some stuff. And then everybody (laughs) wakes up and Macbeth is like, no, not the king. And that's it. He's now Macbeth is king. That's all it took. Um, so he and Lady Macbeth, they're royalty and stuff. Macduff, um, not to be, you know, not to be too confusing. Macduff is kind nope. of like, I smell a rat, so he does not go to the coronation. Um is kind of like, this is kind of weird, but I guess I'm vibing. I made a mistake. It was not Lady Macbeth that killed the Chamberlain guards. It was actually, it was still Macbeth. So she did not commit the murder. She just placed the knives. Um in their hands in the room yeah um oh by the way so the king had two sons malcolm and donald bane so when the murder happens they're like we're not safe here so malcolm flees to england donald bane goes somewhere else and that's the last you see of donald bane he doesn't matter he's gone you never see him again um So Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, they're royalty, and they're pretty happy. But Macbeth is like, well, how can we be sure? How can we be sure that, like, I'm safe and everything? So he goes back to the Weird Sisters. Um, He's like, hey, I'm here to get more information. And they've been visited by Hecate, so they have an agenda here. They summon a lot of little allusions for him. One says... To beware Macduff. And he's like, yeah, fair. Um, The second one says that no one born of woman shall be able to harm him. And he's like, awesome, sweet. And the third one says that he will not die until um, Great Burnham Wood comes to Dunstan and Hill. And I know these are not how how you say these things. But um, so he's like, awesome. I'm like triple safe, I guess. Uh, Also, by the way, he has killed Banquo. He has hired some murderers to stab Banquo in the night. Banquo's son, Fleance, though, escaped. Lady Macbeth has... Meanwhile, she's going in a downward spiral. She's racked with guilt. She is sleepwalking. She's hallucinating blood on her hands. She's not having a good time. Meanwhile, all of Macbeth's subjects, like pretty much everybody knows that he did murder the king and they're all like, he's a tyrant. Um, so there's in between, there's little scenes of people gossiping. He sends more murderers after Macduff's family just to be nasty to him, I guess. That happens. And then Macduff and Malcolm in England have rallied the forces there to go back and take back Scotland, um, so they're in Great Burnham Wood. They come up with a strategy where they're all gonna um, ha- take up branches while they march, so that they can obscure like how many people there actually are in the forces. Um, so when they mm. see, look at the window, uh, they see that Great Burnham Wood is coming to Dunsinane Hill. So Macbeth is like, ah, "Oh God!" Um, so the prophecy. A battle begins. Lady Macbeth has committed suicide off-screen. Um, Macbeth, he just kind of runs around killing people because he's like, ha you guys are losers because you're all of woman born. Macduff shows up and says so he <laughs> killed my family and also I was born by C-section. Idiot. Um, so off screen, he kills Macbeth. Um, the fighting is over. Everybody gathers and that's the end. <laughs> I just want to say that, as I mentioned, so there are so many iconic lines. Obviously, a lot of Shakespeare is iconic. Um, mm-hmm. And we get a lot of, like, very commonplace words and phrases today from Shakespeare, such as bedroom, uh, which blows my mind. Um, but in, in particular, Macbeth has a lot of, of my favorites. Fair is foul and foul is fair. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble.
1: <laughs> Classic.
0: Yeah. And I love the tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow speech. I can recite it right um, now. you want me to do that?
1: Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. And I just want listen. I'll confirm for the listeners there. As far as I know, there's no secret hidden screen full of words. It's no. just right off the do dome. You,
0: um, do you want me to do it like theatrically or am I just doing it rapid fire?
1: Totally up to you, but you have to close your eyes so I know you ain't cheating.
0: <laughs> tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesteryears have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, a brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and that is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing.
1: Wow. <laughs> I've...
0: Love that speech um, because of marching band for my third year in marching band. The concept was nothing. um, And that speech played like five times throughout the show, like on audio track. Um, It was intense. I would make you sit through it, but it's 17 minutes.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, okay. I also just want to, I think this goes to show this is a Shakespeare's shortest play, Mm -hmm. but it's, it seems like it's regarded as one of the, one of the best. Mm -hmm. So just remember that, uh, just because it's bigger doesn't mean it's better.
0: Yeah. Biggest question is how how did Macbeth have the time to pen a whole letter detailing what these witches said <laughs> to his wife
1: like on his way home for dinner? <laughs> who who uh, did this? He probably has assistants. He probably yeah. has exactly what yeah, we unlike need. Unlike us.
0: Basically. He's
1: like riding on a horse and then he's like, and the assistant just follows on foot and kind of has to run and ride at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is kind of how I'm imagining it working in, in Scotland.
0: Yes, perfect. Okay, so Macbeth, we don't really know him that well before we actually see him on screen. We just hear the witches bring him up. um, The people in court are all like, he's the best. And um, I don't know, he and Begwa are chatting, but then then he hears this prophecy and immediately is like, oh, I could be king. Um, So I guess, like, Mm -hmm. did you really get the sense that he was committed to, like, power grabbing before he would have heard this prophecy? Like, would he have ever done something like this beforehand?
1: Bro, that was my answer oh, question. Oh, wow. So said, we don't have any answers between the two of us. Yeah, so actually we don't know. Well, okay, because mine was, did the witches manifest Macbeth's demise mm. or would he have made all his decisions regardless of their prophecy?
0: Right. So it is uh, very much a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like he... Yeah. Like I don't think he would have gone straight to murder um, without knowing, having this confidence that he knew he was going to be king. That somehow yeah. he knew it was always going to work out. The witches are also visited by Hecate later on, which is you know, um, like the goddess of magic in Greek mythology at least. Um, Mm -hmm. And Hecate kind of berates them because she says you guys were not supposed to speak to Macbeth so to like fix this, like you, um, when he comes back, you have to give him a false sense of security. Also, I wanted to note that Hecate, Mm. when she speaks, is not an iambic pentameter. She speaks in a beat of four.
1: Damn, I wish I knew what that meant, but it sounds powerful. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so iambic pentameter is, um, so there are five beats. That is the pentameter part, and the iambic means that um, there's an emphasis on the second syllable. So today, that emphasis on the second syllable, that's iambic. Um, Mm -hmm. So that means like, I'm counting to my. I'm counting to five with my hand. Da 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 da. Is iambic pentameter, um, but she switches to a beat of four, so she only has four beats when she speaks. How did you dare to trade and traffic with Macbeth in riddles and affairs of death? And I, the mistress of your charms, the close contriver of all harms, was never called to bear my part or show the glory of our art. and which is worse, all you have done hath been but for a wayward son spiteful and wrathful who as others do loves for his own ends but not for you
1: i'm getting schooled so hard right now but i love it Listen,
0: it's intricate also wait i just remembered that something wicked this way comes is also from (gasps) Macbeth. yes but also the first line is by the pricking of my thumbs something wicked this way
1: comes well (gasps) that's what i'm saying like we're always talking about harry potter because they sing that in harry potter Mm. because they got that whole song they do with the frogs, right? Yeah, Ugh. and it's and they're like, oh, I have a note, <laughs> and you're like, ooh, spooky.
0: It's just so badass. Ookie spooky. It's just so good.
1: Um, so Hecate is a real badass bitch. Yeah, you said that Hecate told said you need to give him a false yeah. sense of security, and yeah, no, I think if I were to answer my own question, I think it is the witches manifesting Mm -hmm. Macbeth's demise, because like you said, they give him a false sense of security. So maybe he would decide to get greedy and like kill the king. Mm -hmm. But once he learns like, oh, I cannot be slain by anyone born of woman, Mm -hmm. that affects his decision making going forward.
0: For sure. Yeah. Because also when he killed Macduff's family, like that was not a necessary step to any like any. It didn't further any of his goals. It was kind of just like um, trying to get back at Macduff. Um, but And that is kind of the reason, like, Macbeth was already suspicious of him, but now it became very personal. Like, Macbeth, Macbeth sought him out in battle, and he t- mm-hmm. happened to be, apparently, the only person on the planet who was born by C-section at the time. So, that ensured his death as well. Mm. Like, these lines, more so than Othello, and more so than Romeo and Juliet, which are the two we've done so far,
1: just mm, punch me in the face! I love it! Well, we had talked about this, does reading a play versus right. listening to a play versus watching a play, like, what is your personal boundary? Mm-hmm. And mine is, if I listen to a play, it counts. If I watch a play, it doesn't count in terms of like, mm-hmm. if I would cross it off on my Goodreads. Like I said, it's personal, like if you have a different scale, go off. Yeah. Um, but when I was listening to it, it's it was cool because there was a whole the- theatrical element. It wasn't just someone reading the stage directions and, you know, Mm -hmm. the voices, they were different voice actors. There's, like, when the witches speak, there would be this, like, undertone, like, music swelling. Mm -hmm. And then they all talk all creepy, and they're like, and you're like,
0: There's also, there is, like, singing in the play. Like, some of the lines are supposed to be a song. Um, And I don't get that, obviously, when I read with my eyes. I personally don't know where I draw the line between reading and watching a play. I haven't decided yet. I think that I would Mm -hmm. mark it off if I was desperate.
1: Um, oh yeah, you know if, if I I'm really desperate. wanted to, I, if, it off. if I'm desperate, I'm doing anything. Or
0: if I was, if it was maybe something I'd always wanted to read and then I watched it, I would be like, "Listen, I, I did it. I'm not going to find it now. <laughs> I already saw yeah. it. <laughs> I know what happens." That's fair for sure. I have another um, unanswered question. Well, this one's kind of not a question. It's just um, a comment. Comment That's when fleeting thoughts. Yeah, when Macbeth. Okay, so also, um, in that scene where they have. Macbeth and Banquo has just first talked to the witches and then the king's men show up. Um, Macbeth has this whole conversation with himself and <laughs> Banquo multiple times says, hey, are you coming? And Macbeth just continues to talk to himself off of the side. Um, but he's pondering what they said. He said, well, two truths they have told, referring to them saying that he was Thane of um, Glamis and Thane of Cawdor. And I was like, bitch, one of those was already true when they said it. <laughs> like it wasn't a prediction.
1: It was just a fact. Yeah. Um, they're just saying things they know now. Yeah, I was like, this is
0: Googleable, <laughs> Macbeth. Um, this is on your LinkedIn.
1: I also really like the the words like thane of Gloucester, or whatever. Oh, like, good. And I love the names and everything. I just like the way they feel in my mouth.
0: Yeah, like Barquois or whatever. Banquo. I well, I don't know how they're pronounced because I read it with my eyes. When Macbeth had okay, so he. I have a couple of questions about the situation. So to kill Banquo, Macbeth hires two murderers. He tells them, um, yeah, I already talked to you guys and I told you how Banquo has like ruined your lives, basically. Doesn't that make you angry? Doesn't that make you a little murderous? And they're like, yes, it does make us murderous. So then they go and kill Banquo, but not his son. They come back. um, And do you think he was he? I didn't get the sense. Was he lying to the murderers about Banquo being a bad person? Or was that true? Do you think?
1: There was probably omission of truth. So he's saying, you know, he pushed your son, but really he pushed your son to go save a cat from the street or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, he's telling the truth, but he's because, you know, yeah, Macbeth is doing this all for personal gain. Yeah, He obviously wants a certain outcome of it. So he's going to phrase it or put it in a certain context that, you know.
0: Yeah. Except for one, he, oh, he almost couldn't go through with it without Lady Macbeth. Yeah. And he almost and then, uh, yeah, he almost uh, flubbed the framing of it all.
1: I yeah, and I, I didn't know how to feel about that because I was just like, damn, Lady Macbeth, mm-hmm. she's the evil one, just cause she has ambition, but it, it did take her to horrible places. It did, yeah. Um Well that kinda leads into my last unanswered question, mm-hmm. um, which is what's the longest lie you've ever upheld? Um, and then, but, like, but has, but is now no longer, like, you came clean, and then why did you come clean?
0: Wow, we're really putting me on blast. Um. <laughs> you're like, my whole
1: life? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> my whole life is a lie, and I'm still upholding it? Yeah. No. Um. I mean, obviously, you don't want to tell me one that you're currently upholding, because <laughs> yeah. this shit's about to hit Okay, wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 I do have it. <laughs>
1: This was going to be. You tough. have a lie that you this are. to do. Well, I found on. one that's
0: palatable for the podcast.
1: <laughs> okay, so
0: when I was a kid, and um, my parents like started having me empty the dishwasher, we had like a drawer where all the knives go, and they were just in there willy nilly. Um, every time that I put the knives away, I would like look left and look right, and then I would whack the drawer with the knife.
1: <laughs> so like,
0: like I would chip like, off what? the quarter of the, the
1: oh <laughs> And I like I just I need, I I was power hungry. Yeah, I was. I was like
0: I'm gonna whack it. Um, I like every time I love to do that. And I like I thought I was <laughs> being really secretive. Um, and I like never brought it up to my parents until last year. <laughs> like I never told them. Um, I brought it to my mom and she's like, Yeah, I knew you were doing that because you know there was a bunch of chips missing from the drawer. <laughs> it was all marked up. And I was like, I thought I was getting away with something.
1: <laughs> Why did you come clean? Um, just guilt, or you were just like, what a funny story?
0: I think it was just, yeah, I just thought, occurred to me, I was like, I wonder if they really knew what I was doing, because I, I think sometimes they were, we have a, sound carries in our house, so I'm like, they heard probably heard me banging something. Uh, yeah, I was not being slick at all. So I was lying to myself, essentially. What about you? What's the longest lie you've ever told yourself? You have eight minutes and 48 seconds to tell me.
1: Great. That's plenty of time. Left in the Zoom call. Um... pretty truthful no i'm just kidding um it's i it's either one end of the spectrum it's either i can't think of anything i think i usually tell the truth or i can't think (laughs) of anything because all of my lies are currently still being upheld and i can't expose myself (laughs) like that i was gonna
0: say i don't want you to dox yourself but i can list a few (laughs) you're like i know 18 lies you're currently upholding i remember being me being confused about where you were adopted from because the first time we met you said it was on way and then later on you told me it was mongolia (laughs)
1: Oh, I forgot about that I was like,
0: several months with by, and I had a very... Dr- I, ha- I went through some drama internally. I, w- I was like, you don't have to be from the same province to be friends.
1: I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't know it caused so much turmoil. I guess, no, that's... Okay, so I'll, I'll count that one as, as my longest lie that I upheld for a long time. To me. <laughs> yeah, I think... And this is usually how it goes with most of my lies. I'm just like, I'm going to just do this. And then later, I'm like, ah, this is getting too complicated to uphold. I'll tell the yeah. truth. Because I feel like it's usually pretty innocuous. Yeah. Yeah, except for when it causes deep emotional crises. Yeah. <laughs> my bad. Sorry for causing that psychological warfare, yeah. friends.
0: Yeah, it's okay. I've been uh, psychological warfareing oh. you back. Oh, my God. You didn't even know. <laughs> wow, I didn't know we would uh, get into some real deep friendship uh, conflict in this episode. That's just what Macbeth does to you
1: yeah it's changing me
0: yeah um my last question is like I do and don't get why Macbeth was chosen as king immediately after because I was like he does have sons but they've ran away um but there has to be like some other like <laughs> su- light of succession right I just think it's weird that it went immediately conveniently to Macbeth like he didn't have to murder anybody else in his way what if <laughs> what if he has to continue killing other things. Until, I mean, that's
1: usually how it goes. Yeah. They're just like,
0: until it got to him.
1: Yeah. It's usually just, Oh, well, Oh, that's how it happened in uh or he could have just taken the Prince Hans route from frozen and just married off some other and married into a kingdom. No, you're
0: right. Where he, he's a gold digger basically, but no, he was already married to lady Macbeth. Um, so I do and don't get... That's not my unanswered question. My no. real unanswered <laughs> question is why...
1: That was my fake unanswered <laughs> yeah. question. That's my decoy question.
0: This is a little red herring for you. Um, so after Macbeth dies, then it's implied that Banquo's kid eventually becomes king. And there's a part where um, when the witches were making Macbeth hallucinate, they also show him a line of kings that all traces back mm-hmm. to Banquo. And Banquo's like, ha ha, from beyond the dead. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, when does Flanns become king? Because we don't see that kid again either.
1: <laughs> it well, no, I thought it ended pretty abruptly. Yeah, like <laughs> so, they're fighting, and then Macbeth is like, "You can't slay me, you dummy!" And he's like, "I'm a I'm a Cesarean baby," <laughs> and he slays him. And then they're just like, "We won!" And boom, it's over.
0: It's yeah. So they don't follow how Banco's kid becomes king. Um. I don't, and also because the the other king Duncan, he had kids, he and he named Malcolm as his heir. So wouldn't Malcolm become king?
1: I don't understand. They, no one really tried that hard no. to make Macbeth king. Yeah, even though they were all again, it was like the whole town was like, yeah, that guy definitely murdered. Our yes, king okay, that's Macbeth's another king
0: unanswered now. question. Is that um, immediately when he became king? Oh, there was a moment where um, these two. Commoners were talking in there, like, "Yeah, a lot of weird stuff's been happening. Um, a lot of weird weather. Uh, two horses went crazy and started eating each other." Oh my god! That is in this. That is in this play. What? It's crazy. Do you want me to read it in verse for you, or is that?
1: Oh, please.
0: A falcon towering in her pride of place was ma- by a mousing owl hawked at and killed, and Duncan's horses, a thing most strange and uncertain, beauteous and swift. The minions of their race.
1: Minions.
0: (laughs) Turned wild in nature, broke their stalls, flung out, contending against obedience as they would make war with mankind. Tis said they eat each other. They did so, to the amazement of mine eyes that looked upon it. Here comes the good (laughs) Macduff. Also, I have highlighted this line. I have given suck and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks me.
1: That's actually going to be our new... <laughs> no. I'm sorry. That's going to be our new... I have given suck. It's so... I love that. Aggressive, too. Um, I have given suck. I will say, I really liked this play, and I don't... I'm still, like, working mm. out how to... What I liked about it, but my overall, like, intended takeaway mm-hmm. slash... Positive judgment is one phrase, and it's hoisted by your own petard. <laughs> like, I feel like that's really just what what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's poetic justice, but the fact that, like, Lady Macbeth is like, kill them, you're so, you're so stupid, husband. Yeah. Like, you can't do it, you're a coward. And then she's the one who outs herself because she has a dream and is sleepwalking. Yeah. And, like, literally confesses every single wrong thing she's done.
0: No, yeah, and um, like we mentioned, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, Macbeth brought upon... Macduff's ire, um, he did all this stuff that made him a tyrant and made people not trust him and not like him and led to his downfall mainly. I think that there's a lot of good English class type stuff going on here. There's the foils and parallelism between Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. And I I hate that her name is just Lady Macbeth. It's just lady, his name. We'll talk, we'll get back to gender, but just their arcs Mm. is that he is kind of rising in terms of ambition and um, his actions. And she takes a fall. I love the dramatic irony or cosmic irony. There are different types of irony. And I think this is definitely it where, um, you know, Macbeth's intentions was to, you know, like protect his position as King and all that he did really brought about his downfall. And then talking about gender, so there is so much reinforcement of like the gender binary and gender roles because it, I think that you should take a shot every time you hear someone in this place say, I'm a man or are you a man?
1: <laughs> uh, it's, so, it's so crucial. It's so prevalent in like, the conversation. Yeah. yeah
0: um, being a like masculinity is so tied in with like sureness of feeling, um, det- being determined, being ambitious. Um, being decisive and femininity is kind of the opposite of that. We do get more like female characters that like say things and discuss and like share their thoughts, which is interesting. Um, Lady Macbeth is ultimately a prop to get Macbeth to go so, to where he needs to be. Lady Macduff appears, has opinions, I guess.
1: <laughs> was there one time? Yes.
0: How unfortunately he gets killed.
1: Okay. I, I was thinking about it and I think this is how I will phrase what I liked about it in my mm-hmm my judgment. I think it did a really good job of planting and paying off mm. like elements of like it it was all uh, elements of the story. Yeah. So that that's just that's how I'm going to word it.
0: Yeah, I think this is a very well constructed story. Um Shakespeare is always paired I feel like in school with the poetry section of your English class. Um and I think that's a big freaking mistake because like um in On the one hand, yes, you reinforced the iambic pentameter and rhythm and cadence and stuff like that. On the other hand, everybody just hates both of them, so you should not tie them together.
1: Well, in that case, I give it a 6 out of 10. Okay, I give it an 8 out of 10. There was a lot of catharsis in the story, which I appreciated, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I always get with the other Shakespeare plays we've read. So I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. However, it is still a Shakespeare play, and there are certain, yeah, there's, uh, with the gender roles, Mm -hmm. with the um, kind of like the random side tangents that we go on Mm -hmm. that I'm not a huge fan of. So, 6 out of 10 for me. I
0: feel like most scenes do add something to the story, whereas in Romeo and Juliet, there was a lot going on there that I was like,
1: I really don't care about this part
0: or who this person Mm is.
1: Um, Othello Othello was just infuriating because it was all like, and I know this was the point of it, Mm -hmm. but I still didn't like it. And so, yeah, of course, mine was like a super biased rating, but it was all communication of errors. And so, you were like, this could all be solved if literally anyone said what they meant. Yes. For sure. Which is not catharsis for me.
0: Yeah. That is definitely, yeah. Othello was a lot more frustrating because it also felt like they took a character that was very level, was very level-headed and very um, well-intentioned and. by communication, error of communication that like that character kind of just felt lost. Whereas I feel like Macbeth, um, Othello and Macbeth, I think they are both characters that become so anxious. They have all these worries and like, there's these outside forces preying upon their fears um, to the point where their fears start to control them instead of them controlling their fears. Like, so with Othello, it's, like, his, his course could have been corrected, like, very easily, whereas Macbeth's like, yeah. was not. Like, it was very inevitable, um, because it was, like, fate. It was the witches, kind of, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and these magical cosmic forces interfering. Um, and that felt a lot more inevitable and a lot more controlling, whereas the other one, I was just like, these are just people being bitches to each other. Like, that, to me, is a much more, not relatable, but a lot, like, more acceptable tragedy than Othello Yeah, was. I can suspend my disbelief yeah.
1: and say, like, Here's our protagonist suffering this hardship, mm-hmm. and what is he gonna like, there do? There's no
0: hope, and yeah.
1: But in Othello, I was like, well, he could just go talk to Desdemona yeah. and figure out the whole handkerchief business. Yeah,
0: and, and, and as I mentioned, I am a stan of all of these lines. I can say them all over again, but it's, it's full of good, <laughs> and
1: real iconic lines. Okay, well, speaking of other books that we also liked more than Othello and maybe even more than Macbeth or are on the same par as <laughs> Macbeth, do you have any recommendations for us? Um, I have two, but one of them is kind of fake.
0: I do. One is Sprace the Sands by Sarah Beth Durst. It's a world where people are reincarnated, so they are constantly paying monks and everything to kind of help them be reincarnated as something good. Um, so not like these terrifying animals and creatures and things like that. Uh, And there's racing and there's like multiple characters involved, but the point is that people start to question like really how much good are these monks doing? Is this system really benefiting us? Um, Is being reincarnated as an animal truly a mark of like your morality or not? It's interesting. I bring it up just because we were talking about cosmic forces and stuff like that. And that's the connection I have. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I was really just going to say I recommend Macbeth. I recommend that you read it
1: and read the lines out loud because it's fun. Um, Okay, my recommendation. My actual recommendation is The Vanishing Half by Brit Bennett. I think that is another story that kind of does a good job with catharsis, Mm -hmm. where like stuff gets set up in the beginning and I feel like it gets paid off in the end two sisters who are black, but one passes as white. And then the other woman, you know, does not. And, uh, and then they meet and then they got to like traverse and see how the paths they both took are full of hardships, but also like, you know, the benefits and disadvantages Mm -hmm. of the paths they chose. But, um, and then my fake recommendation (laughs) is watching the movie Stardust, but it's also a book by Neil Gaiman, but I haven't read it, (laughs) so I can't recommend it. But, StarDust is fun just cuz it's it is fun. High fantasy and it's people killing people for a crown. So I don't think it necessarily gets at the tone of it, but it definitely gets you in I feel like the headspace of like kings and queens yeah. and high fantasy.
0: Yeah, for sure. Stardust is definitely, it's an interesting one because I feel like in a lot of romance movies, the romance is not believable. Maybe on the first time I'm swept up, but the second time I'm like, ah, that doesn't really make sense. No, Stardust, every time I am like, this is a believable romance. Oh, I am swept away oh. <laughs>
1: yet again. <laughs> um, uh, it's been a week. Have you read anything
0: <laughs> new? No, I've not done anything.
1: I haven't read anything. I've tried starting. It's just a struggle. How about you? <laughs> Me, I actually have. Oh, Way for me. Oh. Humble brag. Um, okay, so I finished uh, Screenwriting is Rewriting by Jack Epps Jr., which was a thing for class, and it was a textbook, and it took forever. Mm. But I finally did it, and I because I needed to count for the end of the year, I read Good Morning, Good Night, Little Pep Talks for Me and You Ooh. by Lynn manuel Miranda. And I actually read that one, and it comes with little illustrations. And that one's like a... It's not to be elitist, but that's a fake book, you know, like, it's just these little, like, it's basically like tweets that he has a collection of tweets. And then I read, I listened to I'm Just a Person by Tig Notaro. I would recommend that. However, it is like very sad and depressing because it's about a comedian who experiences kind of like just a bunch of tragedies Mm -hmm. in her life in like the span of like a month or something like that. Uh, But it is really good. And then I finished Tender is the Flesh. And I am currently listening to The Haunting of Tramcar <gasps> 015. Yep. By P. Je... I don't know how, I how know. to pronounce that. I'm not sure either. P. Jelly P... Clark. <laughs> P. Jelly Clark. I don't know if that's the right way, but.
0: <laughs> I love that book. I know, because it's such author. Author stuff. I, it's it's true. It's true. I was looking. I literally searched in Libby like Jen and Jeannie stuff, and mm-hmm. it's either stuff I've been ready, re- I've been read, mm-hmm. or it's not available.
1: Wow, that's the only two options right now. <laughs> Rude, right? Well, and then, lastly, uh, as some of you know, on our we have a bonus, we have bonus episodes, mm-hmm. and on those bonus episodes, we read a book over the course of a year. I've now started my own journey where I am reading one sentence a day of Fifty Shades of Grey. I saw that. By E.L. James. So that will just, I'm not, I'm never going to repeat it again, or maybe I'll repeat it every time, but that will pretty much, that will be on my reading list for the next 50 years. Yeah. Because a sentence a day and the book is probably like 500 pages and we'll estimate maybe 40 sentences a page. Honey. Mm. They're never coming no. out of that and that's a trilogy yeah uh, well, yeah ah. it's gonna be rough ah. so yeah
0: yeah cool yeah um yeah i'm probably never gonna read again so
1: great yeah
0: i'm actually gonna it's i'm gonna, gonna delete that out of my brain i don't need to read anymore uh-huh. time for some sweep sweep housekeeping so, if you want to say something to us, or if you disagree or really um, love my recitation of Macbeth, uh, you should email or tweet us. Um, I just realized I spell it every time. This is why you always
1: say this, so. I, I mean, I can spell it. Oh, okay, 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 okay. What's our email? I'm What's doing email? it. What's, what is it? Oh, uh, let me hit, hit you up hey! with it. Okay. Okay. If you want to email us, it is readingnotreading reading, at gmail.com, spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T. R E A D I N G at Gmail.com. Yeah. But that's not all. We also have Twitter. Tweet. And our Twitter is at Red Knot Read Pod. At sign R-E-A-D-N-O-T. R-E-A-D-P-O-D. Yeah. I had to think about that one for a little bit. Eh,
0: yeah, see, that one always cheers me up. It just doesn't make sense. But that's it. That's how you contact us. You can also peruse bookshop.org by using our affiliate link. Bookshop.org is a website where you get you get books. Uh, and when you purchase them, they uh, support <laughs> independent bookshops and bookstores. And yeah, tell them what happens if you use our affiliate link.
1: If you use our affiliate... I actually don't know. <laughs> if you use our affiliate link, you can also of the support the podcast
0: by giving us 10% yeah. commission on every purchase.
1: Finally, we also have a website. On that website, you can find our back catalog as well as our bonus episodes. Yeah. So check it out. All of this is in the episode description. Yes. And we are done. And we did it. <laughs>
0: Woo! it's over that's it see ya
1: wait before we go uh join oh. us next month when we read <laughs> the crucible i'm Arthur back Miller. now we can leave and <laughs> and i'm back and i'm gone again bye <laughs> all right bye